Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. Sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Commencing in July 2021, This Week in Craft Beer will be offering meticulously curated craft beer experiences to the world's most exciting craft beer destinations in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Please visit our website for more details at thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Alex Possels, Berkshire Beer Box, Ryan Charlton and the Paper Mill Micropub. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Neil from Top Rope Brewing in Liverpool. Top Rope Brewing began way back in January 2015 when Ben and Neil met at BrewDog Liverpool's homebrew club. Bonding over a shared interest in beer and professional wrestling, the guys set to homebrewing before transitioning to Ben's back garden and then onto a brewery in Sandycroft, North Wales. Like many of the guests on this podcast, the guys scrambled and ultimately prospered under COVID and opened their brand new brewery and taproom in North Liverpool in February of this year. Neil, please introduce yourself. Tell me about your beer journey and how you came to launch Top Rope Brewing. Well, hello there. Yes, I am Neil from Top Rope Brewing. Um, I mean, you've kind of given a very good, distinct sort of con story behind it there, really. It was myself and Ben meeting at a homebrew club, getting drunk mm-hmm. in a pub on our own beers. Me and two of the guys that always stay behind afterwards and we'd end up talking. We discovered the mutual love of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Predominantly the Attitude Era, uh, kind of when we were both growing up. So right. we weren't big fat. We weren't into it really in the 2000s, that kind of era. So we've... Okay. Become aware of it, you know, from watching it in the past, but that it was mainly the attitude of stuff, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, that kind of yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then as naturally when you do these kind of homebrew clubs, you start collaborating with people. So we started to brew together. We did our first brew and it was <clears throat> it always sticking in there because it was unfortunately the day after Lemmy passed away. Um, so that was what that was what would become our beer called Overkill because we were spending the day brewing it and we'd listen to obviously Motorhead on repeat over and over again on the radio stations um, sure. and we're just thinking obviously we just have to name something after Lenny so nice uh, well, yeah so, yeah appreciate that um, yep. didn't, didn't want to go with Ace of Spades because it was too obvious and there's probably about 75 other beers out there called Ace of Spades so, yeah so Overkill just kind of stuck and, and that was when we first started working together and Overkill was the first beer that we probably tried to experiment with when we tried to rebrew it because if anybody who's ever done any home brewing I'm sure you'll understand you kind of you brew a beer then you move on to the next one you don't really think about it too much you don't try and create or perfect it you just kind of move on and do something different but yep in fact, you don't necessarily even drink it, do you? That's the that's what I'm starting to learn with homebrewers is you're so keen to go on to the next brew that that one gets pushed to one side and you sort of... <laughs> exactly. So, so that, that was the first bit that we sort of tried to create and sort of develop and make it make better, basically, which we did over time. We brewed it several different versions of it, mm-hmm. played around with the different dry hops until we, we got to the point where we are with it now. But yeah, we started doing that. Um, we entered a few couple of homebrew competitions. We won a few categories, got mm. a bit big-headed about ourselves. And then we were just like, well, our beer is better than some stuff. And we won competitions. Why sure. can't we sell our beer? Let's do um, it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So we got Ben's parents very, very drunk one night, convinced it was a good <laughs> idea to build a shed in the back garden. <laughs> and so we spent the summer of 2016 destroying it, ripping up all the, the plant beds down one side so we could lay a trench work for pipes and electricity and water and all that kind of stuff. Nice big concrete floor and built this lovely big shed that's still standing to this day. Nice. Um, and we were there for just over a year, um, mm-hmm. brewing 100 litres at a time. So in terms of beer, that's a couple of kegs and about, say, two cases of bottles. Right. And we then went around to all the places that we'd spent the last two years drinking in Liverpool going, do you remember that time that we said we were going to start a brewery? Well, we fucking did it. <laughs> and you promised that you would buy some beer off us. All these people were like, fine. So they you know, took the tail because they like, bought beer off us. And they all nice. went, they went, oh, this beer is actually really good and it sold really well. 
certain Love websites it. were selling two kegs a week to selling four kegs a week to selling eight kegs a week, but we could only brew four. Still kegs only a hundred liter kit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, when when we were selling eight kegs but brewing four kegs, we go, we kind of went, well, this is obviously going somewhere, so let's actually do something with it. Yep. Which is when we uh, moved to Sandycroft, yeah. which is in North Wales. And if anybody's wondering why we moved to Sandycroft, it's purely because there was a brewery there. For anybody who's local to the area or who, particularly who lives in Chester, where he's all been drinking around Chester, there's yep. a brewery called Diva Craft Beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've still got a bar, they've still got a tap room um, just around the corner from the train station in Chester. So if you go into Chester, go and drink with them because it's a fantastic place. And okay, nice. Like yep. beers on. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they were closing down the brewery. So they right. were looking to pack it up, sell it on, and do other bits and pieces with their lives. Yep. Um, so we stepped in, bought the site, moved in, and thankfully we had a, we had a working brewery from day one. So we didn't have Perfect. to waste time trying to set up, plumb it in, work, work out why something had fallen over or why that was on fire. It all just worked. <laughs> Which, again, for anybody who's done any sort of DIY project or built something, you'll understand everything will fall over and break at some point. Yep. Um, so it was nice to have that, just be able to walk in and brew with it, which we did. Yeah, I can we imagine. Yeah. We were there for three years. We, we mm-hmm. saw out, obviously, the, the, the entirety of 2019 there, which was great to start with. And then after everything else, shit hit the fan and we just went, yeah. bugger. And that was five uh, barrel at Sandy Cross, is that right? Or? Yep, yep, five barrels, yep. four mm-hmm. fermenters. So yep. we were producing, we could do like two, two to three thousand litres of beer a week. Okay. And it was sort of around about the start of a start of when uh, COVID happened, or the, the global bastard, as I, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'd already always had conversations. That the plan had always been to get ourselves back to Liverpool because travelling from Liverpool to North Wales every day is a pain in the ass. Yeah. So the plan was always to move back to Liverpool, and we kind of okay. sat down during COVID and went, you know what? We're at a point now where we're able to expand this, we're able to make this bigger and better than what than than what it is and what it needs to be. So mm-hmm. we pulled our thumbs out, spent six months looking for a site, found it, stand the lease spent a lot of money building a floor, getting everything moved across. And then, yeah, it was the tanks were officially transported on the 8th of January. They were situated and installed. And then we did our first brew at the end of January. Nice. Yep. Somewhere about there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been doing that ever since. Fantastic. And and so you've still got the same, exact same kit, have you, in Bootle, or you expanded it? No, it's the same kit. I mean, we, yep. we'd expanded it previously. So we mm-hmm. got rid of the mash tun. We've got ourselves a, a bigger mash tun. So we're brewing on a 15, five barrel kit. We're brewing with a 16 barrel mash tun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which means that, you know, big stupid beers are a Good lot for dippers, yep. <laughs> dippers, imperial stouts, tippers, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. They're great. So we've got that. And we've since uh, installed uh, one double size tank, which is 2,000 litres. Okay. And we are currently in the process of getting it finalised. Uh, I probably shouldn't say anything, but we are getting um, another tank installed within the next, hopefully within the next month or so. So we will officially have double our capacity since. Um, Fantastic. Year. That's amazing. And, and have you still got further uh, room for additional tanks as need requires? Or Absolutely, yeah. The, yep. the site that we've gone to is it, we've probably got space for... To, uh, we, we can probably replace the the five barrel tanks at some point with bigger tanks. So we can, we can probably we've got space for probably about another five or six tanks maybe altogether. All right. Um, and then we've got a lot of vertical heights. So obviously, we can increase the size of the tanks and just make them taller and bigger as well. So right, we've, uh, we've gone for this site because it is very much a future proofing place where we know we're going to be Brilliant. here for a good you know five ten years look, looking at it. So it's it's going to be good. Fantastic. Well, I want to get into conversation about the tap room, but let's set that to one side. We'll come back to that, Neil, because I want to talk wrestling to start with. Um, because I've got probably a, a slightly fragmented, but hopefully somewhat 
interest in wrestling history that I want to share with you. I'm a bit older than you, fair bit older than you, actually, I guess. <laughs> and so, um, so my wrestling experience goes back to the late 1970s. So joint promotions where, so I grew up in Hemel Hempstead, Hertfordshire, mm-hmm. and the Hemel Hempstead Pavilion was one of the joint promotion sort of circuit venues, if you like, where there would be a show, probably I reckon about every six or eight weeks, infrequent enough that it was a bit of an event when they did come to town. And so yeah. I can remember the posters, well, I guess you would describe a sort of boxing style posters these days yeah. they were always up around town advertising who was coming and obviously that was the time when it was massive television box office mm-hmm. wasn't it it was on world of sport every saturday yeah. afternoon in the days when there were only three television channels in the uk and so that used to draw 15 16 million viewers unbelievably on saturday afternoon now, you don't get that kind of viewers mm-hmm. these days for a royal wedding or just you can't get that kind of tv audience in the uk these days because there's so many hundred channels but anyway in those days everybody used to watch the rest of it. so these guys are all big stars so I, I can distinctly remember seeing the likes of big daddy and mick mcmanus yeah. and kendo nagasaki that was my seven eight year old self going to these shows with my dad and a massive massive experience and uh, my main memories of wrestling in those days was everything was of course two falls two submissions or a knockout to decide the winner which seems mm-hmm. odd these days doesn't it that that was that the matches were all that long it was almost all what i think is these days known as squash matches where it was the name would destroy the opponent kind of thing and there might be a bit of a to and fro but essentially you know there was never any doubt who was going to win every single match yeah but it was still tremendously entertaining stuff fast forward then and so i sort of lost interest in it a bit uh, a lot probably to be honest with you until the wwf started to come onto Sky and I don't know whether you know when that was my guess was sort of late 80s is that does that seem about right or was it was it earlier than that off the top of my head I don't know when it first started mm. um, I mean I remember watching <clears throat> watching it on Sky when I was a kid I remember even watching pay-per-views on Channel 4 but that's okay. sort of when, when I was first watching it I say I'm not quite sure because my interest was I mean I've always been a bit of wrestling fan since I was a mm. kid I mean going back to when I was two years old my, my dad always tells me the story of taking me to see see it in Birmingham um, okay. me, 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 and my old, me and my older brother both mm. had the, the, the Road Warrior shoulder pads foam <laughs> that were getting taped up every five seconds because they kept ripping um <laughs> But the, of course, because you know, you're fighting I, each other the whole time. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And also because they were just crappy pieces of foam. <laughs> you know, but it was, it made money. But what my dad always says is that we were on the, we were on the front row. And okay. I, don't nice. remember, I, don't, I don't know if you remember a team called the Bushwhackers. Yes, I, saw, I was just going to get to the Bushwhackers because I saw the Bushwhackers in my next experience. But carry yeah. on. Well, what it was, uh, they, they come down to the, come marching down yep, to the yep, uh, yep, to the, the, yeah, the thing, march, And yeah. then and, uh, I was one of the people that they licked. <laughs> Which was their thing to do. Yeah, it was. They used to lick your head, so, didn't they, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. I was, I was one of the people that they chose. So yeah, front front row was a two-year-old kid getting licked by the bushwhackers. Nice. Well, after that, you was, you know, you could never turn your back on resting after that, could you? You know, you 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 hooked for life. That's just exactly. <laughs> yeah, so very much so. Um, but yeah, go back go back to your story. I said I'm not yeah, so, when it when it first came onto Sky, but yeah, it was probably 80s. Yeah, so early, anyway, so early 1990s, I reckon it might have been 92 or 93. I went to a WWF show at Wembley Arena. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't. It was just a irregular tour event. I think it wasn't. Oh, it right. wasn't. It wasn't a pay per view. It wasn't a big event as such. But very notably, the Undertaker was on, and this was obviously early days for the Undertaker, managed by Paul Bearer. Um, oh, and so, I, so I've, I've actually looked into. Um, I've done a bit of Wikipedia searching leading up to this conversation to try and figure out when that was. And so Paul Bearer didn't start to manage the Undertaker until 1992, apparently. Okay. Uh, but he obviously was there with the urn, and it was you know an amazing. <laughs> 
yeah. hammed up uh, spectacle. And, you know, and I can distinctly remember with The Undertaker particularly, he had this ridiculous move that he did where he would get the opponent and he'd do that thing where you like, you got their arm out straight and you pretend to twist their wrist. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you can't, your wrist doesn't physically twist like that, but to all intents and purposes, he's twisted the guy's wrist around about three times and then still holding on to him. He would then climb up the turnbuckle and onto the awesome. top rope and walk a, across to the middle of the top rope, still holding yeah. this guy's twisted wrist in his hand, yeah. obviously to keep his balance. <laughs> yeah. And then he'd do some sort of big forearm drop onto the guy, you know, knocking flat. Yeah. It seemed to me like one of the most absurd, in a sport full of absurd suspension of disbelief kind of moves, that was perhaps the most ridiculous of all, because the guy only needed to sort of jiggle his arm a bit, and the undertaker <laughs> yeah. straight off the rope. <laughs> yeah. That move's called old school. Okay. Right. And it's, it's, it's a move that he did throughout his entire career. Because he only he only officially retired last year. Mm, I know he did, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So even when he was wrestling up to like two, three years ago, he mm. was still doing old school, still as a near 50-year-old man, doing that Roger move, this. climbing walking across the top rope. And <laughs> it's just amazing. Taker's just one of those guys who's just completely out of this world. In terms yeah. of, I could, I could do an entire podcast just talking about Well, the surely the greatest of all time. I mean, he can't, there's anybody else can possibly complete with that claim i mean in, in terms of what he did for the business and, and mm. how he sort of carried himself and, and acted within kayfabe no there isn't anybody because he was in character for nearly 30 years he was the undertaker the 90s and when he was doing the ministry of dark stuff he would always dress in black everywhere that you'd go he would refuse to speak to people he would never do he would very very rarely do interviews off camera on camera right so even when he's sort of flying around or whatever he would always just maintain the persona yeah Fantastic. yeah he'd always just mm. be the undertaker because that's who he had to be to yeah keep things to keep things and he's just absolutely incredible yeah excellent so i've just got actually a couple more minor anecdotes not as good as that one i don't think but so 2014 now uh, my youngest son who was then at that stage eight he was starting to really get into watching the wwe as it was then obviously on sky and so he nagged me and i took him to the uh, birmingham nec to see just another tour show yeah. again um, how, but how show yeah, John Cena was on, um, which was his massive, you know, he was a massive John Cena fan. So he, he was, you know, super thrilled with that. And and I can remember, so John Cena was fighting Bray Wyatt in the headline match or whatever. And at that stage, that was, I think, the, the time that the Wyatt family was a big force, weren't they, in in, in yeah. WWE, perhaps their biggest, or one of their biggest names. And, uh, and I can remember quite spookily, actually, they were selling the plastic sheet masks on the on the merchandise mm-hmm. store. And I'm not exaggerating, Neil, there must have been half the crowd wearing these sheet masks. It was like 10,000 people in the NEC. It was yeah. the greatest bit of merchandise selling of all time. And I don't know what they were selling this bloody stupid plastic moulded <laughs> sheet mask for, but I'm sure it wasn't less than 15 or 20 quid. And they'd sold thousands of them. It was extraordinary. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's absolutely amazing and unfortunately that feud between John Cena and Bray Wyatt is it doesn't have a happy ending I won't go into it but for anybody anybody who knows it, it it was the absolute beginning of the end of Bray Wyatt who unfortunately is still going now he's reinvented himself but that was that was his first proper big thing hmm. and he lost to John Cena at WrestleMania WrestleMania 30 he shouldn't have lost he should have won it but I won't bother going into that again that's another big conversation <laughs> we can go into I won't bore people who are listening to this for beer and not for wrestling I know um, yeah we need to probably need to not do too much resting but i've just got so a couple more we'll keep this quite brief and get back to beer but so then from from then on because james had really enjoyed the the trip to the nec we started to go to there's a local wrestling franchise or call it a franchise it's not probably not quite right called 4fw forefront wrestling they're they're headquartered in swindon and they do shows broadly along the thames valley along the m4 motorway into sort of west london and down west as far as bristol and so we started to go and see some 4fw shows and that you know that was on every month or six weeks in the local catholic church hall believe it or not which you know literally (laughs) if it was was sold out it would be a hundred people in there 
In fact, they used to set up about 70 seats. And then, you know, if, if they more than that turned out, they'd have to get some folding chairs out from sort of under the ring yeah. or whatever. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Not quite, but, uh, you know. And so, uh, so so that was fun. But, but they had some quite decent performers, to my surprise, fighting in mm-hmm. front of 50 grannies in a church hall sort of thing. And the, so the, the guys that were local, I think, was, was a guy called Tiger Alley, who was a very capable, lightweight. And then a guy called Eddie Ryan, who I think is perhaps fairly well known in English wrestling. And then they used to get, they used to have guys like Doug Williams come for, you know, not regularly, but he was there. And, he, and Justin Reese, I think, another really big guy. Um, some, some quite good names. And so, and they used to do a big show once or twice a year in, in Swindon, which is just like a bigger venue. Um, and, and we saw at the Rey Mysterio and uh, and uh, Alberto Del Rio on. on oh, no. the... Don't brag about Alberto Del Rio. He's not a nice man. Don't don't talk about him. No, no, I know. He, but that, that was a good event. And, and they also had yeah. Ultimo Dragon on oh, wow. um, as well, who was also really, really good. I mean, he's getting yeah. a crisis he's pretty old, but uh, <laughs> but he um, also was really entertaining. He was in the Catholic Church Hall, you know, so, you know, with, with the yeah. 70 grannies watching uh, Ultimo Dragon. So, so that was fun. I did go the last time I went in 2018 to the O2. I've not been mm-hmm. since then. I guess it's not really been much since then anyway, but that yeah. was uh, that was another WWE house show, Roman Reigns and um, mm-hmm. and uh, Dean Ambrose uh, and yeah. Bray Wyatt again. Yeah, Dean, Dean Ambrose, who's now, who's now uh, under the name of John Moxley uh, in AEW. If your son has, how old's your son now? Uh, he's now, goodness, I should know that without having to think. Should I? 14. <laughs> 14. <laughs> he's at the final level. I'd say I'd recommend um, if you want to get him into something a bit better in terms of its kind of storyline development, get him into AEW or Lucasfilm. Okay. Yep. Um, it's where Chris Jericho is now. It's where John Moxley, former Dean Ambrose is. Okay. You've got people like Cody Rhodes is there at the moment as well. Right. You've got just some absolutely big shows there. Christian's there. So you've got an absolute okay. mountain of WWE guys, but it's it's run by Kenny Omega and it's done by the Young Bucks. It's just the way that they carry themselves and how they carry their presentation and characters is even better. It's like, it's reams above where WWE are. It's where WWE used to be and where they want to be. Okay. Just can't to bring it together. It's amazing. Like we... Um, there's a fellow wrestling called Pack, who you may, ne- re- may remember as Neville. Yes, yeah. Yes, so he, he, he's Pack the Bastard, um, <laughs> and he's, he's just evil. Like, he is absolutely terrifyingly evil. And before AEW had their first proper big major pay-per-view, right. we were watching TNT Wrestling in Liverpool. Yep. And pack, uh, it's like a little place, probably about 200 people, 250 people maybe. And this was like when it was packed to the rafters. Mm. And we saw Pack there and he was taking back bumps onto concrete mm. for like 200 people. And mm. then he was out wrestling at the biggest show that AEW ever. It was just absolutely incredible to the point where he actually, one of my mates, he was there. He got in the way when he was he was fighting the crowd. He got in the way and just Pack just turned around to him in the thickest show. He actually goes, get out the way, you fucking couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> It was absolutely amazing. And it's just interesting when you see these fellows who, whether they are at the top of the card in one of the biggest promotions in the world or whether they're taking back bumps for 200 people on yeah, yeah. they just love what they do and it's mm. absolutely incredible. It definitely, I think that's a really nice way to summarise this this sport. Is it, you know the commitment is is absolute, isn't it? People say wrestling's fake. Of course, funnily enough, so just I'm going to make one final comment on wrestling, and we must move this on to beer, otherwise <laughs> the, the three people that are still listening are going to turn off. But um, so, so I'm sure you've seen the BBC joint promotions documentary that that was released. I think 2014 or maybe you haven't it's on you can find it on YouTube in its entirety just under an hour well I, I watched it a few years ago and I, I want to dig it out and watch it again it's, it's basically looking at the heyday of wrestling the, mm. the 60s 70s whatever and they've got Johnny Kincaid as one of the guys that's, that's actually a very eloquent guy that, that's, that's doing a, quite a lot of the sort of 
not voiceover so much as sort of comments along the way. He says it's ridiculous that people say that wrestling is fake. He says wrestling isn't fake. Wrestling is fixed. And there's a great deal of difference. He says, you know, says, you know, if you were flying Floyd Mayweather, and I said, you don't worry. He says, you know, I've got it all fixed with Floyd. He's going to go down in the 12th and you'll be the winner. <laughs> what you, all you've got to do is worry about the first 11 rounds. You know? <laughs> so I think that's a beautiful way to describe it, isn't it? Because it's, you know. It's... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's predetermined. That's, that's the way I, I call it. It's predetermined because, yes, the outcome are all determined beforehand people know exactly what's going to take place mm. but what these people do and how they train themselves it's still another level of athleticism that's involved with having Definitely. to keep yourself at that that physical level of fitness mainly because obviously you know you've got other people's lives in their hands so totally. if they, yeah if they fuck up and they drop somebody then you, you're going to potentially cause major major it's incredibly injuries. dangerous absolutely yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's people who have to be the top of their game all the time and it's just it's just otherworldly absolutely let us talk about beer Neil, specifically, let's talk about Ding Dong Hello, which uh, Hello. I'm cracking into. I don't know whether you've you got one on there or not. Are you, are, are you, I uh... have indeed, yes. I'm, I'm Excellent. Sorry, I was, it was off camera there, so I wasn't sure. But uh, anyway, so Ding Dong Hello, your 6.4% American IPA. And the tasting notes I've got say, this time we've taken our very favourite hops, El Dorado, and paired it with Sabro and a pinch of Citra to absolutely pack in all the stone fruit and pineapple flavours. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying this. What's your thoughts on it? I adore this beer. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of the things that we've done over the past year or so is really perfect our what I'm calling new session beers because it tends to be like the sort of the six to seven percent range tend to be the new session idea. <laughs> it's a new actually, I know. We're all doomed, aren't we? <laughs> it's it's just as we and everybody else has found it's just, it seems to be that right ABV where you can pack in the most amount of flavour. You can properly get the hops in there. They can intermingle. Yep. You can get all the different flavour characteristics. No, I totally agree. Um, yeah. And this one is just fantastic because I know that obviously everyone loves Citra. Citra is mm-hmm. just Citra. It's can't, just can't beautiful and amazing. Yeah. El Dorado, again, it's, it's oh, Ben's favourite yeah. hop. And he absolutely does. It's when we, when we got some back in again recently, he just starts throwing it in everything. He puts it in his cups of tea as part of that thing. Um, and then we've got um, Sabro, which again, mm-hmm. I'm aware that some people hate it, some people love it. Mm-hmm. I'm a massive, massive Sabro fan. I love right. pineapple. I can take coconut. I'm not too fussed on it, but when it comes out in Sabro, it's just absolutely gorgeous. One of this one, it's just that balance of everything just sort of sits together perfectly and floats around. So you get all that, you get that lovely bit of citrus that kind of sits at the bottom end of it. You get all that kind of tropical fruits that balance from there. You then get that kind of pineapple and kind of, it's almost like I I kind of describe when when Sabro's done right, it's like drinking a cloud. Right. It's just that really (laughs) fluffy, it's just like fluffy and floaty. Yep. Um, I get that. And then you get the Eldorado on top just goes, I'm Eldorado, drink me now. So, <laughs> Any idea what the percentages are? No, Eldorado to Sabro to Citra in this. Very roughly, um, doesn't that exactly? But I'd probably say it's about maybe 60, 30, 10. Is that right? Yeah, 60, 30, 10. Six, 60 Eldorado, yep. Yeah, 60, 60 Eldorado, 30% Sabro, and then right. 10% Citra. Yeah, I think this works really nicely. I'm certainly getting the, the tropical pineapple, not getting so much coconut off the sabro but that's absolutely fine with me I, i'm not a big fan of sabro single hop beers but i think it works really nicely in combination as you've got it here and i completely understand that brewers absolutely adore working with sabro it's got so much range and versatility I, I completely get that you had to you know and this is a ridiculous thing to say but if you had to choose a single hop to sort of brew for the next year you know and, and you had to try and make 20 different beers out of the same hop probably sabro would be your choice almost better than anything else i think because it's just i think you've got that range haven't you and, and I'm, yeah I'm sure, you know you guys obviously know a lot more about the processes and techniques than i do but yeah. it just strikes me that 
brewers just never get tired of playing with Sabro. And so, yeah, it, it also helps. It's a very, it's a relatively new hop. It's only been around for a couple of years now. Um, yeah. So you get things, things like Sister Mosaic, Simcoe, they've all been around for donkey's years. So obviously every, it's almost like they're saying everything, everything that can be done with these hops has been done. We've all been mm. tasted in all the different variations. Yeah. So with Sabro being a new one, it's one that, as you say, we're, we're still able to discover new things. We're able to put it in different combinations, different mm-hmm. levels. And it, it, it does have all those different bits and pieces that can play around. And it's, it is, it is very, very nice. Yeah, brilliant. This is really good beer. It doesn't taste like 6.4%. You could get into some trouble with this, I think, because I, I certainly <laughs> see you could smash a few pints of it. But I totally agree with you. You know, sort of 6 to 7% is is almost like the magic range, isn't it, for brewing a really full-flavoured beer? You know, and obviously you can go up from there. You can 8, 9, 10, and you, you know, it's <laughs> all the better. But it's hard to brew a real good depth of flavour into a beer less than six I think it's uh, yeah but it can be done there are places that do it the likes of you know I mean the, the key example is Trap do it with Sonoma yeah. which is yeah. just like, it's one of those beers if you see it on cask I drink Sonoma mm. regardless or the likes of Steady Rolling Man from Daya as well yep. that's five, five point something percent but it's yeah, just five point four flavour so five, isn't it? yeah um, but yeah, that six percent range. I don't know why. I don't. Know, I think it's also because obviously a lot of places that we drink nowadays, they've can't they're starting to move away from pints. It tends to be the schooners. Sure. Yep. So you don't feel bad about drinking as many stronger beers because you're not no. you're not consuming the full quantity of them as well. No, it's a good point, which is great news for brewers being able to flex their brewing muscles or whatever, isn't it? If you're constrained to only brew four percent beers, then it's it's not such an exciting uh, exciting game. But glad to say that bars are now quite happy to take stronger beers on cake excellent let's talk tap room neil i know obviously a big part of moving to your new location is wanting to establish a tap room understandably because it is the way that beer should be sold if you ask me um, i mean yeah it's something that we've had we've uh, had in, in the pipeline for quite a while now we've nothing's been officially announced yet we are still waiting for a couple of final things to get confirmed okay but fingers crossed the plan is to open the end of this month for the bank holiday weekend oh, fantastic uh, and then we're gonna just look to do sort of we're gonna start off by doing this once a month just to sort of see how things go along whilst we kind of find our feet and obviously whilst the world is still readjusting to, to wherever we're gonna end up so sure. once a month just feels like a bit of a more it's kind of as we've done with it we always kind of play try and play it a little bit safe yep. as much as we take stupid risks in moving house during the middle of a pandemic <laughs> um we still obviously don't we, don't we don't want to sort of put too much out there too quickly and sort of dilute, no. do, dilute everything down so the plan is to do once a month for the time being and then sort of see, see where things go and if, if, it, if it proves popular enough then yeah we'll open up more often we'll welcome people to come down for it but yeah that's where we're, that's where we're standing for the time being and what sort of space have you got? We've got space uh, inside the brewery. We're looking at initially about 10 tables inside. So probably okay, nice. for about, yeah. sort of, about 60, 70 people maybe. And then we've got we've got a bit of an outdoor area as well that we're looking to manipulate, be able to use as well. We're just waiting again, just getting a few things organised because where we are is the kind of the road that we're on is a private site, but we've got to make sure that we're not going to be interfering with traffic and all the usual usual mumbo jumbo. So it's just trying to get everything organised and put into place. Uh, right. Yeah, we've got, we've, we've got scope for a bit more outdoor space as long as weather permitting as well. And uh, in terms of access, you is there public transport? Yeah, we yeah. have got we've got two train stations. Both of mm-hmm. them are about a five to eight minute walk, depending on how slow you are. All right, that's um, good. Yeah, which are the, they're on the sort of anybody who's been travel around Liverpool, they're on the Northern Train Line. So if you jump on at say Moorfields or Central Station, right, um, there it's about two stops of maybe five ten minutes on the train to get from the city centre to one of the train stations, and then another sort of five ten minute walk. Um, yeah. A tax, taxi probably park cost you about ten from the city centre, nice. um, and there's also a couple of bus routes as well fantastic all right and so how many taps will you have I start with six right um mm-hmm. yeah we've got, we've got the orville in the machines that we've been saying that we haven't been able to use at beer festivals right, we've got yeah. them set up instead <laughs> so we're starting with six we'll have all, all of our cans available we'll have all that kind of stuff as well right. um, again potentially looking to expand that as things go on you know ideally i'd love to have some cask on if we can get that worked out because 
it's just yeah. a gorgeous format that needs to be done properly. Right. Um, and you know, I'd rather not do it subparly because I'd rather not serve people inferior cast beer because no. there's there's so many places that do it better than we can, so I'd rather not risk it and, and bugger it up basically. It's a massive cast market, isn't it, uh, Liverpool? So there will be a massive demand for cask, I'm sure, but it's it's gonna yes. be good. Yeah, we've started to get back into it. We've, done, we've, done, we've released a few beers and casks so far this okay. year, which have mm-hmm. all gone down an absolute storm. And we have got plans for more as the year as the year progresses and we've got more ability to get it done. Then we will be going heavily back into cask because it's just a format that I miss and I'm, I'm looking forward to drinking beer on cask again. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Very good. Well, exciting to see how that develops this year. I guess it's the perfect time of year as well to be able to start to open up and, you know, and you've got some outside space as well. So over the summer, I'd be surprised if you're not finding this demand for more than once a month pretty quickly. But <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just finding that time to actually spend a couple of days away from the brewery. At the moment. I suppose so, it's yeah. Just, it's just been chaos which we haven't been able to do Co- combination of everywhere reopening up and a combination of the couple of the couple of beers that we've released recently namely the the pale ale that we've just released with frank turner um yep. it's just been absolute chaos mm. in obviously in the greatest possible way it's been yeah. it's been amazing and i still positive chaos this yeah. every day yeah <laughs> but chaos chaos is still chaos at the end of the day yeah it is <laughs> excellent let's take a short break neil This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with Neil from Top Rope Brewing for the second half of the show. Let's get straight back into it, Neil, by having you tell me what makes Top Rope different. What is it you're doing or planning to do to differentiate yourself from the increasingly crowded UK craft beer market? Uh, to be honest, I think it's something incredibly simple. It's something that is quite obvious, really. And I think it is wrestling. It's okay. <laughs> it seems incredibly obvious. I mean, because we have that sort of you know, for lack of a better, for, you know, what not what to use a wrestling term, but we have a gimmick. Mm-hmm. We have something that we're able to yep. use and tap into. Obviously, there are people out there that have done wrestling beers. You've got like a turning point, like to Brew York. There's a few others who I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, people have done the occasional wrestling beer. They've done, paid a bit of homage to it. Uh, Tiny Rebel, they've done a couple as well. Yeah. Um, but there's never been somebody who's cornered the market share and sort of <laughs> gone to it and kind of gone. There is an untapped potential of hundreds of beer pun names in this and a very devoted very hardcore fan base of people who love wrestling yep. um, and will jump on top of that with you know with everything they can to sort of help support people like ourselves and so for me the thing that stand, makes us stand out is definitely the wrestling because I can't say that the beers that we're doing is standing out because we're doing a bunch of big sickness and IPAs mm-hmm. um, we've got big bright colourful cans so we have about 90% of the market share because <laughs> it has to be big bright and colourful that's very honest um, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's it's. I, I think definitely the one thing that makes us pop more than anything else is definitely the wrestling wrestling connection just because it is something that is very unique and something that isn't often seen within especially within the craft beer scene no no i think that that was a great answer and quite honestly i can't argue with it obviously you've got endless material there as well you're never going to run out of material are you because just by the time you finish covering your attitude era or whatever you know there's yeah. another couple of decades of stuff to get your teeth into so it's you're never going to run out there's always going to be a new character or or a new move or a new, you know whatever you want to call it there'll always be yeah. new things to pun on to to come up with the next beer the next promotion oh, exactly 
So yeah, def- definitely that I'd say. Um, and as you say, there's always new wrestling. There's always new stuff going on. Whether and it, even we barely even scratch the surface of, of old. Stuff. I mean, as I've said to um, a few different occasions on these kind of things, there's also a, a level of the history of, of wrestling that we don't want to go near, right? Um, because it always has a bit of a story past in terms of its content, and there's just a lot of stuff as with every facet of life that we're now dealing with things going forward. But there's just a lot of stuff where you kind of go. That wasn't very tasteful back at the time, so it's got even less tasteful now. Yeah, so there's, no, there's, no. there's quite a yeah. lot of stuff that obviously we don't want to go near for obvious reasons, but the, the amount of stuff that we've got that we can go near and the stuff that we've got planned to go near is is just endless. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And and I know I, I, I listened to your most recent appearance uh, with my friends on the Beer Fridge podcast, and I know you got into talking then about taproom gimmicks and what you can do to, to really sort of start to run wrestling-themed events. Yeah. And so, you know, there's tons of material there, isn't there, that you can, you know, you, you can really get into that. I don't don't really want to rehash now, but there's no limit to how creative you can be with this stuff. I know you've exactly. done quite a few home delivery boxes and the like, haven't you, with different themes uh, over lockdown? And, and I guess you'll be continuing that, will you, in you know, in the... In the open era, if we can call it that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, obviously, we did an advent calendar on Christmas. Um, we've recently worked with the, with the YouTube channel What Culture. Uh, they've got a massive wrestling arm, so we work with those guys and getting beers to people so they can make WrestleMania even more enjoyable. We're getting very drunk. Uh, we've, got some, yeah, we've got plans to work with them further in the future, um, mm. doing a, potentially doing another, another package box deal for them with uh, for SummerSlam. Nice. Um, we're very adamant about, obviously, when things have reopened, to get them to come down, we're going to brew a beer with them as well, yep. um, because they're absolutely fantastic guys. Anybody who's into wrestling, go and check out the What Culture Wrestling channel. It's so much content, and it's absolutely absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it's just engaging ourselves and getting ourselves more in bed with the, the, the wrestling side of things. Um, yep. I mentioned I mentioned TNT from Liverpool before. They've got their first show booked for the end of June, so we're brewing another beer for them. So we're going to nice. um, we're going to be more involved with them guys as well. With just some of the most incredible hardcore wrestling you'll ever see. It's just like brutally terrifying. Um, <laughs> We actually took Pam, who's Ben's mum, who worked with us at the brewery. Oh, yeah. We took her for, for her first ever wrestling show. It was a death match tournament. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so every match was different stipulations of like light tubes or barbed wire or panes of glass, and it was just absolute chaos and mm. just mayhem. And it was the first time she'd ever seen wrestling live, and the look on her face was just priceless. <laughs> um, so very much looking forward to working with those guys, and just I say, just any excuse for us to be able to go and watch some sort of like local small independent wrestling because as with with the beer scene you've got the big breweries that everyone knows about the likes of wwe or aw sure and you've got your smaller promotions you've got your your future shop wrestlings you've got your um was it four four fw yeah or fw you've got the tnt so you've got all these small independent places that are putting on these fantastic shows with absolutely phenomenally talented wrestlers so go and see them. Go out and watch these individuals. And even if you're not a wrestling fan, go watch it because I can guarantee you'll absolutely love the atmosphere. In these yeah, places. you can't fail so to be entertained. Up. Absolutely, yeah. It's a great yeah, night out so, for a few quid, isn't it? That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if, you, if, you, if you've got not, not, nothing to do on a Thursday night, you want to spend 20 quid, go and buy a ticket to your local wrestling show. Absolutely. Go and watch it because like, it will be one of the greatest things you'll ever see. <laughs> Nobody could promote it better than that. I'm impressed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's move on to talk about Hall of pan or chocolate which is your 5.3 percent milk stout oh uh, it's not a milk stout 
Oh. It is no, it's just a chocolate stout because, as with all of our beers, uh, they are entirely vegan friendly. Oh, that's right. So I did read. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, good. All yeah, right. So well, I'm glad about that. No lactose in this. There's no lactose in anything that we touch. Um, right. Mainly the, the one that everyone will think about is Cold Stone Cream Austin. That is a vegan ice cream pale ale. So yeah, all of our beers are completely, completely vegan free. Good. Oh, well, vegan, vegan, vegan accessible. Vegan, yeah, 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 yeah. No, not, not vegan free. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no vegans were harmed in the making of these beers, but. <laughs> Anyway, so the tasting notes I've got are a smooth, decadent stout using a complex malt base and heaps of cocoa to deliver a huge chocolate hit that envelopes you like a salmon-coloured jacket, guaranteed to deliver a world's strongest slam to your taste buds. So good tasting notes. You want to give us a bit more commentary on the tasting notes when we get into talking about the beer? <laughs> yeah, well, um, the, the beer itself is based off of Mark Henry. Um, who and again anybody who's watched wrestling will know from the 90s and onwards he was um, a very active wrestler he is a 90, he is a former um, Olympic champion and he was a world's strongest man okay. so his gimmick in, whilst he was in wrestling was that he was the world's strongest world's strongest man so his finishing yep. move was the world's strongest slam hence that reference in nice. terms of the, the salmon colour jacket and hence the reason for the colouring on the can is because um, he did a very famous promo maybe 2012 right. um, he, did, he, cut, he cut this amazing promo where he came out in this lovely sound colour jacket and he gave a retirement speech came out and said I'm done I'm retiring now I'm hanging up my boots put his boots in the middle of the ring and said I'm done at which point your boy John Cedar comes down yep. he comes down and gives us the whole well I'm, I'm very sorry to see you go but obviously you know you've, you've had a fantastic body of work amazing well done everyone cheer for him blah blah and then Mark Henry scoops him up gives him the world's strongest slam and goes do I look, <laughs> do I look like I'm done um, <laughs> And that then led him into his Hall of Pain gimmick. Mm. So obviously he, his whole gimmick was that he would induct people into the Hall of Pain. Uh, okay. um, hence the Hall of Pain and Chocolat. Nice. And yep. that's where it all comes from. Again, if anyone wants to go and find that promo on, on YouTube, mm. um, I will, I'll happily dig out when exactly it was and find the details for it. But go and watch it because that promo is like a masterclass. From yeah, just send it to years. me and I'll put a link in the, in the show notes of the podcast because that, that will be fun. The other thing I want to, I want to point out as well, because it's something I've been bragging about for a very long time since we've done it. I don't know if you've noticed, if you look at the can in the bottom corner, mm. you'll see we've got that little, it looks like a sticker. Yes. Yes, which is something that we, we came up with earlier this year, which is a oh, match beer, yeah. Yeah. beer and match pairing. So nice. it allows you, uh, it gives you recommendations of what wrestling, wrestling matches you should drink with the beers. So that'll be, it has some direct connection to the beer. So it might be the reason why we've made the beer, be the inspiration right. behind it. Nice. Um, and just kind of gets it a little bit deeper from there. It's, it, it's, it's partly stolen from Chapter Brewing, who are one of our neighbours in Cheshire, because they do, because they're a fictional brewery started by an English teacher. So they do a, a literary pairing. So they okay. your book. Which book you should read while you're you drinking it yeah nice yeah, yeah so a book that's inspired the beer but if you're like me it'll take you about two weeks to finish a book and i can't afford to spend two weeks drinking the same beer getting absolutely shit faced <laughs> so at, at least with a wrestling match it's only going to be about half an hour or so which is about the, the time it's spent to drink a beer so that's that's kind of where it comes from but it, it, it's also an excuse why i explain to my girlfriend why i have to go watch a lot of old school wrestling because i have to find the right match bearing you do yeah yeah no it'd be a terrible thing if you refer yeah. people to the wrong match and these ma- these matches are all on youtube are they you don't need to be a wwe um, subscriber or yeah you'll be able to find them on youtube because they've started to put they've started to put an awful lot of them out on YouTube for free anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just ways of us trying to connect people a bit further to a bit closer to, to our beers and to who we are as individuals and, mm-hmm. and sort of make you anything you can do to be to, to feel a bit more personal, close to a beer. I always find it nicer. It just makes makes the experience of drinking that beer a bit deeper. Definitely, no, I totally agree. And this is extremely chocolatey. It's advertised, really. It's I, I think it's really good. Very easy drinking. You yeah. could definitely drink a 
drink a pint or two of this as well. Sam, as I said, but <laughs> repeating myself, I'm afraid I often do that these days. But uh, yeah. oh, good, it's a really good chocolate stout, not too sweet, which it could, you know, it could make that mistake, I think, and it doesn't. So that's good. Yeah, it is. Um, it's one that we've been sort of working on for a little while. Ben managed to get it all sorted out in all times because he's a phenomenal head brewery. He's mm-hmm. brilliant. But it's got five kilos of cacao powder in the boil mm-hmm. and it's got 20 kilos of liquid cacao in the fermenter after fermentation. Um, you can actually still smell the chocolate in the brewery at the moment even though it was brewed a couple of months ago it's literally i, I can only describe it as a as drinking an alcoholic cold hot chocolate yep yeah That's cold cold hot chocolate yep i like it yep yeah that makes sense it's just gorgeous and just silky smooth and drinks far too easily it does yeah but that's a good thing um let's crack on to talk about influences so you guys have been around for five six years six years now four, uh, four and a half four and a half years yeah but you guess your home brewing um yeah, yeah. we predated that. So who were your big influences? What inspired you to get started with homebrewing, apart from Brewdog, obviously? I mean, Brewdog's the main one, purely because yeah. it's Brewdog. They, you know, they are who they are for sure. many a reason, especially when you go back sort of five, six years when they were a bit more revered within the, within the sort of the craft beer scene. Um, yeah. So that was very much into it. Yeah. Um, we had the likes of uh, Lally, who used to brew for Mad Hatter. Uh, okay. Again, for anybody who knows your beer Local Liverpool, Liverpool brewery, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who's now brewing for Polly's. Oh, is he? Oh, wow. Okay, yes, great. He's been, yeah. yeah, he's been he's been brewing for bodies for oh, good lord about six, seven, eight months now, something like that. Oh, fantastic. Whatever it was. Yeah, but yeah, he's been doing that. So obviously, he's he's been a major influence on us for doing all the sure. stuff. Yeah, and we've got Jack who used to brew for Atom in Hull, right? Um, who is now gone full circle? He's now he's now brewing for Lovely in Liverpool as well. Okay, um, yeah. He's he's a massive influence. I remember, I remember doing a meet the brew with him and nice. just falling falling madly in love with him because he's yeah. just beautiful. <laughs> um, and he's just an amazing person. Sort of him again. His sort of passion for it all just kind of it, it, you know, overspilled, and it kind of it made, made us want to do it um, yep. bigger and better. Kind of they're, they're sort of the main ones. Beyond that, you've got all the just being part of the homebrew homebrew scene and them being so supportive and kind of encouraging people to get out there and do it, and then just you know, all. Basically, when we started up, obviously everyone does the initial thing. Of, oh yeah, we'll come and see. But then people actually actively doing it and just encourages you. And then going forward, it's just every sale makes me smile. Every time I see someone drinking our beer, every time someone mentions it and just comments about it, it just it's that little thing that just makes my heart jump a little bit. Yes, so I bet it does. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just kind of at the moment. It's just one of those things. It's, it's kind of. Um, so you mentioned Dead Crafty before we started recording. So let's just talk about them for for a minute because I said to you Neil that you know as far as I'm concerned no doubt one of the top five uk independent tap rooms maybe you know maybe higher up than that certainly it's uh, yeah. i don't want to you know i've got a few friends that i don't want to offend by boarding them the number one spot <laughs> but they're they're in the conversation they're crafting no doubt yeah. it's a great place lovely mm-hmm. people run it great selection of beer i couldn't imagine for a moment coming to liverpool without spending an evening there um, yeah, of course. but you mentioned there's a new project in the wings do you want to talk about that yes uh, obviously we're not affiliated with their crafty in the slightest no no um, no i understand that just obviously big friend big you know really good friends with them and whatnot but yeah, yeah they're opening um, a new venue tonight actually well it's a there's a cafe in the suburbs of liverpool called neighborhood and okay. um, it's out short ways and essentially dead crafty partnered up they put some beer lines in i was actually having a conversation about this the other day with somebody where they've come in and said oh where's good to go drinking in liverpool where's the best places hmm. and we're kind of racking our brains in the city center we come the list of the city centre places, but then like half the places that we listed were all locals. They were all little pubs that are out in the burbs that are out, you know, on a bus route here or a train line nice. there. And yeah, yeah. Things that have and you can't realize that like some of the best places to go drinking in Liverpool are these little places that, that would be classed as a local to people. Right, but that's great. Uh, but yeah, yeah but, the, but it's, it's a local that's worth traveling to. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, essentially they've opened it up. So it's this little like cafe place where you can get some really good food. They've actually started doing cooking with beer as well. So they've okay. done some they've done some cheesecakes with our lemon lemon cheesecake cold stone cream Austin as well. Nice. So they're available. <laughs> um, but yeah, but essentially it's just a really, really boss little cafe where you can now go and get some really, really good craft beer as well. Fantastic. No, great to great to see them expanding their range and the city of Liverpool having another another great spot to go and drink some good beer. Can't go wrong so, with that. Especially when they're just out, they're just down the road from where Robbie and Pam live as well, so they're like walking distance. So they're, 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 they're that's dangerous. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Excellent. Let's talk about this summer for you guys. So we're talking about the, the tap room opening up cautiously. What else have you got planned? You got any? You signed up for any festivals? Got any events coming up? Or is there um, anything that you can preview here? Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to have beers pouring at the Liverpool Craft Beer Festival. Um, nice. Mm-hmm. Which is the thirteenth, the weekend of the thirteenth of August. Okay, um, we've got beers pouring there. We're, we're brewing something special with all the local local breweries as well. It's going to be something big coming up for that. Brilliant. Um, that's kind of it, really, because I mean, we're we're going down to London, to London Craft Beer Expo. We're not we're not drinking there. We're not pouring there. We're just going to be getting drunk. Right. Um, Good so, plan. If, so if it, so if anybody's going to the the, the, um, the London Craft Beer Festival and sees guys walking around top rope t shirts, come and say hi to us. Oh, look we're out. Very we drunk. Can, do you know which uh, session you're going to? Uh, the Friday session. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, if anybody, if anybody sees us, come and say hi because we're fr- we're friendly anyway. Even nice. though we're even more friendly. So uh, have you, have you so, been to that before? I mean, it's a, it's an amazing venue. It's, it's amazingly just a gorgeous no. venue. Um, yeah, I believe so. We haven't been, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But beyond that, it's it's just kind of us just ticking over, trying to get things done and dusted. I say we're we're starting to work more with the likes of TNT and Liverpool, so hopefully they'll start to get a more regular shows, so we can start collaborating with them. Yeah, and then beyond that, I'm just I'm excited to start doing collaboration brews with ourselves. I'm you know. Yeah. See, over in 20, 2020, we had like lists of dozens of people that we were due to brew with. Um, so I'm looking forward to actually be able to get other breweries in so we can start to do collaboration brews again, do some weird, really weird and crazy fucked up shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, just I, I'm not going to bother trying to name names of people that, that we're doing stuff with. I don't, don't want to sound too braggy, but it's, it's going to be some good stuff going on. Nice. Uh, and then come, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to travel around again. I'm well, it's the return to trips, isn't it? You know, as much as it's nice to host these guys at your place, it's fabulous to go away as well, isn't it? And go and have a yeah. you know, go and brew a beer, have a barbecue and a piss up, fall over, yeah. sleep in a hotel somewhere. That's just that's all part of the yeah, you know, exactly. th- those are sort of the, the rewards to you guys for all the hard work almost, isn't it? Is that definitely I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to travel again anyway because we, mm. we I'm starting to I'm, again I'm starting to tentatively booking like tap takeovers and meet the brewers. Nice because um, yeah. as you say, I like getting to travel to different parts of the country, getting no, to speak definitely. to people. Those people who pretend like they're interested in beer, but you're boring the crap out of them and they just want to get drunk. Uh, it's always good. <laughs> I like that. And then getting getting drunk and spending the rest of the night talking about wrestling with people who are lapsed wrestling fans, then waking yep. up in some shitty hotel with a massive hangover and having to get a train back the following day. I, I miss doing that. I really Sounds like a plan stuff. to me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back out and getting to travel around and, and meet, new, meet new people, go to new places and just drink a whole, whole lot of beer that yeah, isn't okay. in my living room. So we spoke about UK and mainly Liverpool based influences. What about the US? I mean, have you been have you done much craft beer drinking in the US? And would you would you take um, any influences from there? Or? I've not actually been over to the US myself personally. Um, oh wow, okay. The likes uh, the, the Ben Ben Robbie and Pam they were over there, and it's going to sound like a really really weird one to say, but they were over there in February 2020. Mm-hmm. They actually went over to New York and they were there during New York oh, uh, beer week. Beer yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. So they, they had a, a great time over there. I bet um, they did. Yeah. So the likes of I mean uh, the likes of Barry for example there just. Mm-hmm incredible we, we know bobby quite well who's their sort of european sales guy okay. um he's just again he's one of those beautiful humans that's just like the first time you the first time you meet him he's just like you're my best friend um, 
<laughs> he's just intense as all hell, but he's just amazing. So the likes of them, there's the likes of, obviously, I mean, you can go back old school, Sierra Nevada, because end mm. of the day, you see Sierra Nevada on draft, it's still, Sierra, it's still pale ale, it's still one of the granddaddies of craft beer sure. um, yep. in terms of that. So yeah, there's countless things. One of my favorite, one of my favorite beers of all time is um, Dog Patch Cherry Sour by Almanac Brewery. Okay. Um, so again, Almanac are fantastic as well. Mm. Um, there's there's a lot. I mean, again, I'm going to hedge my bets very very carefully with who I'm naming at the moment, just because there's been a bit of a thing come up recently on, on Instagram. I don't know whether it it's has, or yeah, no, I know. So I, I, I won't go into it. Anybody who's no. interested, just go and find that for yourself. It's been a big thing. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's I'm, not I'm, hard to find. No. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I'm not sort of, I've, I've read quite a bit of it because there's a lot yeah. to go through so i'm going to be i'm going to be careful over choosing my bets in, in terms of other breweries in the u.s just no i know I need, I need to learn about at the moment yeah no i totally agree yeah, um, let's talk about what's next for top rope in terms of beer releases i know you've just completed a, you know or at least you, you just brewed a, a really interesting collab but also I'd be very keen to know what else you've got in tank and what's on your brew schedule for for the coming weeks what can we titillate people with yeah well we've got um i'll go through the new beers first which yep. is the ones we've got in tank we are we're doing a rebrew of our orange soda goza which is a uh-huh. 3.2% orange soda goza called or here it goes okay. we've got a, a new batch of a fresh batch of papa mango which is our big mm. mango pale ale and nice. we've also got a new uh, a new six percent west coast ipa Okay, um, nice. They're, they're all due out at the end of the month. Okay. Um, but yeah, the big one that we've done is uh, we've managed to brew a beer with one of my personal favourite musicians, Frank Turner. Yeah. Um, who I've loved for donkey's years now. He's absolutely incredible, amazing. And Fantastic. yeah, we've brewed a beer with him. I just, everyone asks, everyone just goes, how did this happen? Um, it was very <laughs> simple. I dropped, I, I emailed him. It was literally just a case of just emailing him. He got to have the, the cheek to do it, haven't you? Yeah. Exactly, because he's he has previously released a beer with Signature Brewco. Okay, um, he did he did, he did that with them a couple of years ago. Nice. Um, so I knew about that. So I just kind of said, "You've done this in the past. I don't know whether you'd be interested in doing it again." So the conversation started going. Uh, this was this was about two years ago initially, and then obviously everything fell apart. Yeah. And then it was earlier this year when I spoke to his manager again, and they were like, "Yeah, well, we've got this, these things we've got planned. These obviously he's just released a new single called The Gathering. They've got shows coming up for The mm-hmm. Gathering as well. So yeah, we've, we've managed to throw a beer out there for him. It's a four point eight percent Simcoe and Mosaic." pale ale nice. nice and light nice and easy because we've gone for the down with the idea of it's not this isn't a beer just for craft beer drinkers this is a beer for frank turner fans right who may not be craft beer drinkers which so is a smart approach it. absolutely i mean you know you could have made it a 10 percent tipper but that's probably not going to bring in too many <laughs> new converts yeah, so is it no <laughs> exactly we've made it as a nice smashable session pale ale that people who may not like it or people who have only ever drank lager can give it a go and be like oh actually this stuff's really good let's do it totally get it yeah that makes um, perfect so, sense yeah it's all it's all also the kind of beer where you go to a gig and you see see that on, on tap 4.8 percent great i can have like three or four of these during the gig everything's great totally. um yeah so we've, we've done that and it's actually resolved it's it ended up falling along the lines as well that he's actually playing a gig in the brewery yeah so i was just going to ask you about that and i saw a, a sneaky little competition announced Is that right it was actually announced the other week when we launched the beer but basically yeah we are the, the gig itself is a competition so you don't have to buy tickets for it you have to win them nice. we've currently got we've currently got 30 pairs of tickets available Mm-hmm. So if you go to our web, to website, topropebrewing.com, um, click on the Frank Turner page, there's an application box, just fill the, fill the details in there. Applications close on the 13th of June, I think I've listed it as. Yep. Um, the gig itself is on the 8th of July. Nice. So obviously everyone can take part in that. Obviously, we will also, I will do all the usual T's and C's. It is a COVID secure gig, although it's going in, it, the, the actual gig is taking place on the 8th of July. Obviously, we still don't know where the world's going to be. Makes so sense. Be, hedge, yeah, just play it safe, yeah. 
Sure. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's it's a it's a completely COVID safe gig. All all seated, all table service. Obviously, we're limited the number of people that can make it into it. Unfortunately, as much as I'd love to have 20,000 people Which in the room, room yeah. in the mosh pit, you know, <laughs> we're, keeping, we're keeping things safe and secure for that for that basis along as well. Obviously, you know, you can enter it from anywhere in the country, but again, you have to be able to make sure that you can be able to get to Liverpool get, that night. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be able to get to and from to and from the venue. Obviously, you know, if, if it turns around that you can't travel from Portsmouth to Liverpool, yeah, who knows where we'll be? Yeah. Hopefully, it's looking promising, but who knows? It, you know. Fingers crossed. You know, mm. everyone's getting vaccinated. I'm, I'm thankful I've had both my vaccines now. Nice. Um, and so, in, in top rope, everyone's had their first vaccine, so we you know we're getting along that that way. So again, one thing I, I would encourage anybody who's listening: if you're uncertain, go and get the vaccine. It's not big God, hundred percent. Yeah, I've just actually. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to really give my age away here. I sort of alluded to it a bit earlier when I was talking about wrestling, but I've just got a text this morning bringing forward my uh, second jab date. So I was originally booked for yeah. the 3rd of June and I've been able to book it for this Saturday. So now that that very accurately dates me, I'm afraid, as to how old I am. But <laughs> I'm thrilled to have been able to bring it forward by 12 days because that's just yeah. another step towards normal life as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah, 100% so. Yeah, if anybody's unsure, go go and get the vaccine. It's not going to do it. I mean, yeah, there, I, I'm aware that there are the very, very few and far between reported cases of issues, mm. but just go and get it. It's not oh, yeah. for you. It's for it's for everybody else. Of course, it is. It's, other, yeah. Everyone's covered. So in that way, as much as we, we all do it, you don't you you know, hopefully, you can get to a point where you haven't got to wear face masks. So totally. just go and get yeah. the vaccine. We all so, want to get to that point as quickly as we possibly can. Yeah. 100%. Fantastic. So that very exciting. So that's going to be an amazing night, I'm sure, with Frank. So yeah, yeah. some 30 lucky pairs of tickets. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, I mean, in terms of what you're saying, all the, all the stuff that we've got planned, the one that I'm particularly excited about is that we are going to be brewing, releasing it in, in you know, at the start of summertime, we're releasing an Imperial peanut butter pretzel stout. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. We, we, and we you just could received... honestly, you could have been brewing that just for me because I'm a, you know, I'm a massive fan of peanut butter in in beers and yeah, imperial yeah. peanut butter stout. I don't need to appear anything else. Just peanut butter pretzel stout as well. Pretzel, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. We've got we, we've just taken delivery of six kilos of pretzels, which means that Ben has eaten half of those already. So we've got three <laughs> Sorry, kilos. Of pretzels. That's all another three kilos. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah. So we've got all the all them going into the beer as well. We've got them planned. We've got some new new variations of Cold Stone Cream Austin coming out. We've we're mm. bringing back some old favourites. We're rebrewing the Mango Ripple Edition. We're bringing back the Raspberry Ripple Edition because they went down so well. Nice. Yeah, and I said we, we've got some special plan for the Liverpool Beer Expo in August as well. So there's going to be a big Liverpool collaboration where we're getting all the local breweries together to do something really, really stupid. Could we see a um, an Imperial version of Hall of Pan of Chocolate? You think? We've got other plans for that actually because we were drinking it and kind of go, "This is really chocolate. This is like mm. drinking the chocolate bar." Oh, what if we did chocolate bar beers? So. <laughs> Yeah, we, we may be playing around with potentially releasing some sort of different variation, kind of turn this into almost like a series. Yeah. You know, use, use as a base and basically do different chocolate bars with it. So that's, that's something that we're currently toying with. Certainly. And they all seem to sell really well. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a few brewers that have done them or are doing them. And it's just, yeah, great. There's so many great flavor combinations to play with there as yeah. well, aren't there? So, yeah, yeah the, likes of, uh, the one that always sticks in because I had it recently was um, Beer Rig did the, uh, the Star Bar. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I didn't have that one, but I used to love Star Bars. I must say, I've not yeah. had one for years, but I used to yeah, that. Was, that would be on my top three uh, all-time chocolate bar, Star Bar. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think my, my top floor was going to be a Kinder Bueno. Okay. Kinder bueno, yeah, yeah. Which obviously, yeah. again, you, you can get that as a stout as well. You can. From, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Unbarred, un- 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 yeah, yeah. For a, friend, yeah. a friend of Twicker Unbarred did the Kinder Bueno. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, another friend of Twicker S43 obviously got in quite a bit of trouble uh, a few months ago, didn't they, with a chocolate bar? With, style, with yes. a, a, certain, a certain chocolate bar that will not be named for legal Which reasons. I've agreed not to talk about anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
never mind it's all fun it's all good fun um yes excellent so then neil where is the best place for people to get their hands on some top rope beers in a wrestling ring box with weapons on the underside of course yes uh, of course. That, that was that was one of my genius ideas like half to the night when i sat i sat up in bed and went oh my god and my go to, go, to, go to sleep i was like no it's amazing honestly um, uh, no that you will never that that is the pinnacle i'm afraid you know yeah. each of us have one amazing idea in our lives and that was yours sorry to say i mean <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all downhill from there that's i've mate, I'm, I'm i'm 31 tomorrow i've already started going downhill it's fine no, that's right <laughs> <laughs> um, the best and easiest way I to get hold of, I can say, is go to topropebrewing.com. Uh, yep. We've got a web shop. You can buy them from there. But the one thing that, I, that I've been very happy and very, very sort of conscious of, of promoting was go and buy beer from your independent retailer. Absolutely. I totally agree. Go, yep. So the, the key takeaway is you can get it get directly from us at topropebrewing.com. Yep. Uh, web shop, there's a web shop on there. There's a full list of details of what we do. We're still doing some local deliveries as well. Um, we've just started doing European shipping actually as well. So if you are anybody who's listening from the continent, you can get, nice. get shipping okay. from there as well. Uh, just do me a favor, just make sure you check the shipping options when you place in the world because it's a pain in my ass. If I have to go around and cancel or change things, so just yeah, double check yeah. that. Uh, but otherwise, um, Go go to your go to your local pub, go to your local bottle shop, your local your, at the moment your local Londis, your local bargain booze. They've got they've started to really up their game as well. They've started to get some fantastic stuff in. Wow, um, terrific! That's awesome. it. Also, also, if there's a pub that you drink in that hasn't got top rope and you want to have top rope, yeah. tell me. My my email address is neil at toproperoom Just send me an email. Have a chat with me. I'm perfectly sociable and pleasant. And are um, you shipping those cakes direct, or is that through distribution? Mostly direct. We have a couple of distros that we work with up mm-hmm. in uh, the northeast and also down in Slaways, we've got a couple that we're dealing with there, but otherwise okay. we do we do direct direct deliveries over the northwest, so sort of Manchester, Preston, a little bit down towards Crew, then so that sort of area we do yeah. we do direct deliveries. Or we can ship if it's cans and stuff that you're after, we can ship them direct to you guys through APC. Fantastic. Yeah. APC good, very reliable as well. I, 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 yeah, I think, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah, we we changed them at the start of the year and their the service has been absolutely fantastic. I'm on first name terms with my local APC guy because I've had so much beer delivered over lockdown, I could tell you better. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> Excellent. Then, Neil, let's get into the last two questions. Um, traditionally, the first of those is what I call the shout out to the little guy. And here I'm looking for you to name one or several local to you UK beer businesses that you think are doing an outstanding job promoting independent craft beer. And that could be a tap room, a brewery, a bottle shop, a pub, perhaps even a restaurant or a cafe, but a small local business that has done an amazing job through lockdown and you want to help continue to, to thrive. First shout out is to the little tap room on Agbeth Road. Contrary to the name, they're not actually a tap room. Uh, okay. They are a pub. They've, they've, got, they've got an on-site distillery, so they, they do their own gins, their own vodkas and rums. They're all amazing. It's a fellow mm-hmm. called Cy that I used to work with in, in various pubs and he's absolutely gorgeous. He's, he's, again, he's a lovely person. Everyone's a nice. lovely person in beer. Yeah. Um, but they're a fantastic place. Um, they've got an amazing selection of local stuff on cask and keg. Fantastic mm-hmm. bottle service. So yeah, the little tap room on Agbeth Road. Brilliant. Um, if you're drinking on the Wirral, you've got the Bowlegged Beagles. Okay, um, good name. <laughs> yeah, they've been going for I think three or four years now, and they've actually expanded twice. So they've now got three different venues. Fantastic. Um, their last venue opened a week before lockdown kicked in yeah. for round one, which is terribly yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> but so yeah, the guys at the Bowlegged Beagle, they're, they're doing amazing stuff. They've got a fantastic selection of local and national stuff. Brilliant. Um, Beyond that, obviously, we've said Dead Crafty. I'm not going to praise them too much more because everyone knows about Dead Crafty. Yeah. Um, again, if you're drinking in Liverpool and you want cask, fingers crossed, I've just sent a, a message from them before. They're hoping to open it in the week, but the grapes on Roscoe Head. Right, yeah. Um, 
because that's just one of my favourite places. Legendary Liverpool pub, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I just, one of those places where you can go in the night out, speak to three different people and have seven different conversations. It's just, <laughs> it's just amazing. And it's also nice. the kind of place where you, if you just want a nice pint of cask, regardless of what it is, it could be a stout, it could be a cider, it could be a pale ale, if it's coming from us, it could be a sour or a, even a cask lager. Right. The grapes, the grapes is the place to go to get It's going to be in cask. perfect condition, yeah. Yeah, 100% because it doesn't last more than about like a day if that, no, uh, yeah. there's that I'm trying to think of other places there's one, a relatively recent one which is open on Rose Lane called Hall okay. um, it used to be called Pie they used to do like Pie Mr. Pies and stuff but they oh, yeah. they thought yeah so Pie, uh, Pie closed down uh, a while ago so they've, they've sort of reopened the guys that ran the place have reopened as Hall um, nice. H-A-U-L um, right yep they're again fantastic place they were doing loads of local deliveries and stuff and then the final one i'll go with is a, a place that's just rebranded themselves they were called craft tap room on smith down road mm-hmm. um, and they're now called the black cat okay they fall in our hearts because they're owned by a guy who's a massive wrestling nerd okay. um, does some, <laughs> does some amateur wrestling himself oh wow uh, we, we've done <laughs> We've done loads of tap takeovers. We've done, uh, we've had like live wrestling shows. So we, we actually stayed up and watched like WrestleMania with SummerSlam in the bar itself, which has been amazing. Nice. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Black Cat and Smith Down Road is again absolutely fantastic venue to go visit. They're, they're opening, I think they're actually taking on Pie Minster Pies now. They've got some sort of kitchen thing on the go. I think it's okay. Minster. But yeah, def- definitely go to those, those places. I've, I've fantastic. Well, I'll, thanks, Will. I'll, I'll put links to all of those in the show notes of the podcast. So anybody that's listening to this can just scroll down and click on them and you, you know, you parachute straight to the websites of those businesses. So uh, yeah, give them Beautiful. some business next next time they're in your area. Yeah. Perfect. Then we are at the wrap up question, mm-hmm. and this is: What would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And what would you be drinking? And this is a non-COVID restricted question. Okay. Um, well, I think I've just touched on it as well, so I'm gonna, it's going to have to be the grapes. Um, okay. Mainly because <laughs> mainly because I'm just missing it. I just yeah. I just want to go to the grapes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Please. And <laughs> what I'd be drinking. Um, pretty much anything they want to put on on, on tap really um but again when it comes again I'm, I'm talking to this with the rose tinted goggles of of the nights we've had there and pretty much sure. anything on cast they put on whether it be a session pale whether it be a bitter whether it be a golden whether it be a stout whether it be as we've done in the past tippers and imperial stouts we've done on on cast there anything they do oh, wow. is just amazing so um, i might just need to insist on you choosing one out of that cornucopia of beer stars <laughs> If I'm if I'm choosing the one, it's probably gonna have to I'd probably go with like a nice good five percent IPA. Okay. Just because that way I can afford I've got enough time to drink a lot of them. Because if, if you had like one pint of a tipper, you'd be kind of on your ass at the start. You would, yeah. It's not gonna end well, is it? No. Yeah, so I'd go for like a nice five, four, four and a half to five percent IPA, just so you, you've got enough time to get through, you know, a decent four or five pints, last you a couple of hours, yeah, and go through it. In terms of who I'm drinking with. I honestly can't. I, I can't name an, an individual person. I, I mean, like you're I happy. Say, you know, it sounds as though you're happy to trust in who you're going to stumble into in the grapes, which is which is nice if that's the kind of place that it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of those places where you, can, yeah, again, being in this industry, obviously, you know a lot of people, so you can yeah. happily bump in. You can, I could, I could, if I was in there drinking five pints over three hours or two hours, whatever it would be, I could probably stumble into about four or five different people that I know. Nice. And have a range of different conversations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really have anybody in particular. I'd, I'd like to just. Sort of spend. I can't. I can't think anybody top of my head. I want. I want to spend a lot of time with. I'm sure there's a lot no. of people that will do it. All right. So brilliant, Neil. Yeah. That's been lots of fun. Thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed chatting with you. And I would look forward to hopefully having a beer with you in person next time I'm up your way. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. Yeah. Next time you're in Liverpool, give us a shout. Fingers crossed. The tap room will be you can come join us for a drink. If not, I'll meet you in Apcops. Meet you in the grapes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Oh God. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> 
Commencing in July 2021, This Week in Craft Beer will be running meticulously curated long weekend tours to the world's most exciting craft beer cities in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Destinations for 2021 will include Copenhagen, New England, Brooklyn and Miami. If you fancy joining a small tour party led by a leading UK craft brewer as we experience a packed long weekend of meet the brewer and tutor tastings at some of the leading craft breweries on the planet, please pay close attention to our newsletter and website as we make new announcements each week throughout April and May.